Hey guys, we'll begin to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's got a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys can find the podcast on YouTube or anywhere else you get your podcast. And we're just so thankful that you guys are here uh, and that you guys have found the podcast today. Okay, I'm excited about this one because this is, I wouldn't call this a, uh, I wouldn't call this a freestyle, but this isn't necessarily um, ex, as extremely thought out as I try to make the other ones. This is um, kind of you kind of going in as we're studying. So, I mean, as we're conversating, if you're walking or listen to this while you're in the car, it, it's almost like uh, me and you are just studying, you know, and we're just conversating and we're seeing what uh, what the text says here and we're trying to pull this out here, okay? So I think it's important to do podcasts like this uh, just to show you kind of the thought process of what you see as you kind of pull out some stuff uh, from Scripture. So here's where we here's how we want to start this. Um, the, the title of the podcast is, This I Recall to My Mind, Therefore I Have Hope. Okay, this is what I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Okay, so... As we intro this, if you if you guys know me long enough, whether just by listening to the podcast or if you know me in person, obviously you guys already know that I'm a big um, Marvel fan, big you know comic book nerd. Uh, you know that's just what I've always been. Um, so there's a show um, called Marvel's What If. So basically, what this show does, um, it changes universes and it changes. Um, how things happen that we know that already happened. So he's like, what if this didn't happen, but what if this happened? What if they didn't get this power, but they got it? What if he didn't die? What if she didn't die? Would they have became who they became or whatever it was? So it kind of 180s everybody's story just a little bit to see how one decision would affect everything else. Hence the show, What If? So it's basically a show that, uh, someone called the watcher is narrating that show and so he's talking to us as the audience as we're watching what's unfolding and so there's something that he said in one of the episodes that stuck with me he said that in this universe which was all jumbled up of what we know he said in this universe as in every other one hope never dies as long as someone keeps their good eye on the bigger picture. So I want you to think about that. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. As we look at that in Lamentations chapter 3, this is something that's, um, it's a great text written by uh, one of the, the great prophets, Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet. But Jeremiah here, a lot of people take this in two ways, which it can fit actually in both ways that you want to take it. In one way, people view this as Jeremiah is talking about um, how the nation is deteriorating before him. So he's he's basically saying there's no hope because of what he's already seen. But then on the flip side, Jeremiah, if you read his book, you see all the stuff that Jeremiah went through. So on the one side, it's almost like Jeremiah is talking about what he's personally seen rather than what the nation is going through. But either way, you want to dice this up. It fits in either way. 
And so let's take the personal route for a minute, okay? Because I want to make this personal with us as we're talking. So in verse 21 of chapter 3, he says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. So what is he recalling to his mind for him to therefore have hope? I want you all to think about this as we're talking today. So let's say you know somebody, or let's say you're in a situation that's pretty tough. So if you're in the throes of it, when you say this, this I recall to my mind, now or therefore I have hope now. So what are you thinking about to therefore have hope? You're thinking about a potential dream. You're thinking about potential positive outcomes. You're thinking about um, how things can get better, what can happen for things to get better. So in that situation, you're thinking, this I recall to my mind. So the positive things that I would like to happen or I think should happen, this I recall to my mind in my trouble. So now I have hope because I can see that there's a bigger picture. So when you look at the context of it, this is not what Jeremiah is talking about. Jeremiah is not talking about while he's in something, whether in the nation or personally, when I think about this, now I have hope because I'm thinking about this good thing or what could potentially happen that's good. Here's why he has hope. So we got to go back to verses 19 and 20 to get some context. Actually, you start in verse 18. He said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Wait, that doesn't sound very positive to recall to my mind now that I have hope. Verse 19, I remember my affliction. Well, that doesn't sound positive to have hope. My soul is in remembrance of it. Verse 20, well, that doesn't sound like I'm... So look at what he's saying. He's not saying stuff that would make you think, man, the more that I think on this, the more I think about how things are messed up. The more that I have hope, that's not what we normally would do, is it? But here's here's our first point, what I'm what I'm seeing as we're brainstorming and as we're trying to pull this out. Here's what I'm seeing. The first thing I'm seeing is in order to recall to my mind, therefore I have hope, I'm seeing that you have to remember the bad times. Well, doesn't that sound like an oxymoron to have hope? Therefore, I have to remember all this. When you think about uh, like difficulties and things you've been through, how many times do you want to sit there and think about it? Many times the things that we do, uh, the people that we're with, the places that we go, we do those things to forget about what happened. So why do we want to sit there and remember those things? So in our minds, I have to get this thing, this memory, this bad time I have to get this as far away as possible from me in order to have hope for what could potentially be. And and to be honest, like that's what we teach, you know, in, in terms of, you know, with each other as a society. Well, just forget about it and go to the next. You know, that's that's a phrase that's always very prevalent, isn't it? On to the next. Right. Whether it's sports, whether that's personal, whether that's business, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. And I get it in some senses, but when we're talking about here in Lamentations chapter 3, he's saying my strength, verse nine, verse 18, my strength and my hope is gone from God. 
Do you guys ever feel like that as you're walking, as you're journeying, as you're going through life, as you're trying to get better and and trying to improve and trying to be the person that you're supposed to be? Do you ever feel like your strength is gone and your hope is gone and it's perished from the Lord? But then if we connect verse 18 to verse 21, Jeremiah says, but this I recall from the Lord. I remember this. This I recall. Then verse 19, remembering my affliction and my misery and the wormwood and the gall. Look how detailed Jeremiah just got. I remember all the tough times. I remember every second. I remember every moment. I remember every feeling. I remember it all. So that's stuff that we don't want to do, is it? I don't want to sit here and try to remember that. I don't want to sit here and think on that. I don't want to be by myself and remember that. I want to I want to do things. I want to be a part of places and go go to places to make me forget about all those things. I'm not trying to remember that. I'm not trying to think on that. I'm not trying to have that cross my mind. I'm not trying to do that. So I will go and do these other things. How many of us have done that? How many of us are doing that? Right? This I recall to my mind, guys. Therefore, I have hope. Then verse 20, he says, my soul has them in remembrance. So now notice how the language changes, guys, as we're conversating and pulling this out. He's saying, look, my mind remembers this, but he goes even deeper within himself. He says, my soul remembers all of it. My soul has the wormwood, has the gall, and that that's just imagery for pain and suffering. And you can put any type of pain and suffering in there for you so that this can be personal and so that this can hit for you a little bit differently. I remember all of that wormwood and bitterness and gall and affliction and misery. I remember all of that. I'm not trying to escape it. I'm not trying to replace it. I'm not trying to go go and, and replace and have a feeling so that I won't remember this. I sit here and I remember all of it. I remember it all. But then notice he says, my soul has them in remembrance. So this is just a part of who I am. So now notice how the, he's saying all this from verses 18 to 20a, but then notice how the end of verse 20. But as I remember the misery, the gall, the misery, uh, the the my strength is gone, it's humbled me. So don't we talk about Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter five, verse three? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those that are humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Where does humility come from? What is another aspect of humility? It is not only understanding your role in things and who you actually are in the bigger picture, but it's also humility comes from your afflictions. So Jeremiah is telling us as he's writing this, I remember all of it. And I'm not remembering it so I can sit there and be depressed. I'm not remembering it so I can have sympathy from other people. I'm not remembering it so I can do this and be the bigger person and overcome. I'm remembering these things so that these things keep me humble. All of these things have humbled me. All of them. Hasn't your affliction done that? Hasn't my affliction done that? 
It changes you. Now, affliction is a big, broad thing. So affliction can be, it, it could be so many things. I mean, we could go down the list of what affliction can be, but all of us know it. So that's why we're all, we're all in the same boat here because all of us know what this is. So if all of us know what affliction is, affliction will do one of two things. And all of us probably have been in both uh, places before. So affliction, number one, like Jeremiah, affliction can humble you because you're remembering the same things. You're remembering all that, but it can humble you to make you see yourself as I could do better. But affliction can also make you cold and bitter. You know, you ever, maybe within yourself, you ever, um, you know, we had uh, John Jonathan Esses preach from Freed yesterday, and he was talking about um, like hope amidst uh, persecution and trial, and and hope amidst storms too. And uh, he had mentioned, you know, you think about Jesus and you think about others in Scripture that um, they had been there and helped and served and done all of this, but then they didn't receive that. So when that happened, it can make people so bitter because of the gall, because of the wormwood, because of the misery, because the strength and hope is gone. It can make you bitter because your heart, it can make you bitter because you didn't find your heart in other things and you didn't find your heart in other people. So because you didn't find yourself in that, well, I'm just going to shut it off. I'm going to shut it down. This this operation of serving, this operation of thinking outside myself, this operation of trying to be a good person, nope, it's it's done. It's done. So you can be in that boat too. But here, Jeremiah verse 21, all of this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. You know, so we talk about having hope Sometimes, how do I want to word this? Sometimes hope can come from the bottom. You know, I think about Luke 15 with the prodigal son. I think about as he's sitting there eating slop with the pigs, that he remembers his father. Therefore, I will go back home to my father. Therefore, now what does he have at the bottom now? Therefore, I have hope. I think about Daniel chapter 4. Remember with Nebuchadnezzar? How Nebuchadnezzar comes out and he's and he looks at Babylon and he says, Look at this great Babylon that I have built. And the Lord said, For seven times you will be turned into a beast and you will eat grass. And then later on at the end of that text, Nebuchadnezzar, he says, My reason returned unto me. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Now I extol and now I praise the God of heaven. Hmm. Now that I'm at the bottom, now I have hope. So Jeremiah is starting to understand all the things, whether it's things that are happening in the nation, which is probably true, but things that have happened in his own personal life as he tries to serve the nation, which is probably true. Either way, Jeremiah says, I recall everything that happened. Now I have hope. This might sound weird to say, and I get it if it does sound weird, but maybe you can have hope when you start to remember the things you don't want to remember. 
So think about how you've been moving. Have you been moving to forget rather than moving to remember? Now, it doesn't mean you always got to bring it up, but it's an internal thing because what does he say? My soul remembers this. Maybe he remembers that just so that keeps him humble, but he also remembers it because he wants to keep getting better and he wants to have that hope that, that he knows that the Lord can provide. Well, how do we know that? Because now verse 23 or verse 22, it is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So now. As we're pulling this out of the text, here's what I'm seeing, right? As we're conversating, as we're going through this, uh, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that he has to remember these things, right, from verses 18 to 20, and then 18 to 20 connects to 21, which is kind of like our home base verse. But then as we keep going, not only does he remember the bad times, then therefore he has hope. But then number two, Jeremiah learns And notice I said the word learn because this is a learn process. Now Jeremiah learns to wait, W-A-I-T. He learns to wait with the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. He learns to wait with the weight. Now, so we understand 18 through 24. Now we're in verse 26, well, 18 through 25, but now verse 26 Now he changes just a little bit. Now he says, it is good that both a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Okay. So I understand the Lord's mercies are new. I understand I'm remembering these things that keep me humble, but it also keeps me in a state where I have hope because the Lord will always be there because his mercies are new every morning and the Lord is good to those that seek him, verse 25. Now he changes the subject just a tad in verse 26 and he's saying, until the Lord delivers, it's good for you to wait for that salvation. So think about why are we waiting sometimes with the wait? The thing about wait, heavy wait, W-E-I-G-H-T, The thing about wait is it comes in two forms. Wait comes whether God allows it to happen or wait is self-inflicted. Or if you may be in the rare few, not even in the rare few, because many of us have probably felt this too. You either have it where God allows it, whether it's self-inflicted or whether it's a combination of both. So either way, you're waiting with some type of wait. You're waiting with something, right? Some type of wait. But now he says it's good that a man should both hope and quietly. Now, that's the that's the thing there, too. And that don't miss that, guys. Don't let's pull that out. Don't miss that as we're conversating and walking through this text. A lot of times, when it says that it is good that a man both hope and quietly wait for the Lord, it's interesting quietly wait for him. You know, Isaiah mentions, be still and know that I am God. You know, Psalm 23 mentions that there's still waters. He leadeth me beside the still waters. A lot of times, 
we may have the mindset to wait, but we do not have the attitude and the demeanor to wait. I don't want you to miss that. Many times we can have the mindset to wait, but we don't have the attitude and the demeanor to wait. So what does that mean? So think about think about Abram in Genesis 12. Did he not have the mindset to wait? Yes, because he made a covenant with God. God made a covenant with him. Obviously, that happens a few times. So now he had the mindset to wait. But then in chapter 16, does he have the attitude and the demeanor to wait? Well, well, this opportunity's here. I might have to, I might have to make things happen. I might have to make things, I might have to start making some moves here. I might have to start doing some stuff. So now when it says that we should quietly wait for the Lord, that's special. And I I want you guys to see this. And I'm looking this up. If you're watching the video portion, you can see that I'm looking this up because this is this is kind of what we do um, as we study and, and as we go through it here. So I, I don't want you guys to miss this. So Lamentations chapter 3, um, verse number 26, if you guys are with us here. So here's here's what I want you to see. So when it says that we should quietly wait for the Lord, this is, it's almost like there's a, um, there's almost like a satisfaction with it. And there's almost like a, um, there's almost like there's a, there's a contentness there. But a lot of times we can have the mindset to wait, but sometimes we'll have an impatient spirit in the waiting, if that makes sense. So, oh yeah, I'm willing to wait, but I mean, I don't know how much longer though. Is that quietly waiting for him? Well, why does he say that? Verse 27, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke of his youth. Watch verse 28. He sits alone. Ooh, now it's getting real. So now think about that phrase of verse 28. He sits alone. Now let's make some, let's stop for a second. Understand, because we don't want to go to extremes on, on stuff. Understand that are we here to help and encourage one another? Absolutely. Are we here to love and, and journey and walk with and pray and cry and laugh and, and be there for one another? Absolutely. But here's a part of quietly waiting for the Lord. Now, all that stuff that you do with your brethren and with other people and close, do keep doing that. Keep Keep doing that 100%. But then here's part of the scale that, to be honest, I think we're afraid to do. Now, part of it, we're willing to do this part of the scale where we're with people, we're talking with people, we're praying with people. We're supposed to do that and and don't stop. But also you got to do this part. Sit alone. So when you have wormwood, proverbial, wormwood, gall, misery, your strength is gone, your hope is gone, you have all that. It's it's a little bit easier to deal with that when you're with a group of people or when you're with specific people or specific persons. It's easier to deal with that when you're with them because now you don't necessarily have to think about it as often, which is good at times. And again, like we said, don't stop doing that. But here's what we got to do as well. In order to quietly wait for the Lord, not only do we need our brethren, but also it's good to sit alone with all of that. 
in your soul. That's where the hard work comes in. It's it's hard sometimes to sit alone with that. With the wormwood, with the gall, with the misery, with the affliction, with the strength gone. It's hard if you're just there and it's just you and the four walls and you just sit there and you remember. And you remember your humility and you re- and you remember those things. It's good. But notice this, not only do you sit alone, but then you keep silence because he's born it on him. So when it, when you talk about keeping silence, remember what the Lord said when he when he talked about prayer in the book of Matthew and when he says when you pray do not be like the publicans and the Pharisees that pray outwardly to get something from somebody because they have their reward when you pray go to your father which is in secret and then later on in the next couple of verses he talks about then when you fast don't let everybody know that you're fasting but keep it between you and the lord alone i think that's the concept of what he's talking about when he's talking about sitting alone and keeping silent it's not this fact that you're sitting there in this chair in the dark you know by yourself and all you're doing is it's almost like you're sitting there in the dark and you're replaying your life as like a bad movie. That's not that's not what it means here. I think what he's saying here in terms of keeping silence is as you're there and as you're remembering and as you're remembering and you're trying to think of the bigger picture and you're trying to have hope and you're believing in the Lord and you're having faith, Hebrews chapter 11, and you're doing all these things, when you wait for the Lord in silence and you wait for the Lord alone, Wait for him and not try to figure out everything right away, but wait for him in submission to his will. And sometimes you can wait by praying. Sometimes you can wait by not necessarily taking an action, even if there is an option to take an action. Maybe, but again, in order to understand that, you have to ask the Lord's wisdom on that. So now, understand this i want you this is this is kind of cool so this is a this is a quote here i, I want to read as we're kind of pulling this out and then we're we're bringing these things together um he said uh there, there was a young man that came to an oratory and he talked at a great rate so you know like those people you might be one of those people where you can just da, 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 da. i mean you could just go i mean it's just all right they're they're, they're going they're going right so he went to this order and he just started going and going and going. And the order said, you know what? Um, let's just pause that real quick. I got to charge you double before this session starts. And he said, why? And the master said, well, what do you mean why? He said, first, in order for this to work as master student, I first have to teach you to hold your tongue. Then afterwards, I have to instruct you on how to speak. Sometimes I think we think we're doing a lot by the more that we're doing and the more that we talk. You know, everything today is almost about, well, something happens, whether it's in society or whether spiritually or whether with other people. And then the first thing that we say, well, what do you think about it? And then if there's eight people in that group, well, what do you think about it? 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 Everything is about what we think. And this is the exact opposite 
of verse number 28. The Lord, a part of sitting alone and keeping silence, is those moments when to God we want to just blare that out. A part of learning how to pray is the Lord teaches true servants how to hold our tongues sometimes. You write the tongue, who can tame that, right? The book of James. So think about what Romans says. Even when, here's the beauty about God. Even when we're talking to him and when we're sitting alone and we're sitting in silence or we're sitting with people and we're talking and we're praying and we just don't know what to say and we don't know what to do and we don't know what the next action is, the spirit intercedes in that conversation and in that gray area of you have no idea what you even want to express to another person, more or less God. So sometimes we have to let the spirit do its work and we sit alone inside because who understands the heart? So, I mean, sometimes that that's very important in sitting alone and keeping silence because that's where the real conversation can happen. You know, I, I was watching a, uh, I think it was Kobe actually. Kobe was, uh, he said he was he was somewhere with the kids and um, he saw an older couple sitting on a park bench. And he said, you know, I you know, I like seeing that. And I, I just kind of wanted to go over and, and and talk to him. And this older couple, they they were just sitting there and they weren't necessarily, uh, you know, having a riveting conversation. But they were sitting there enjoying their company. They could tell they were enjoying each other um, and they were just. They were just content, and Kobe went over and said, "Man, where do I, how do I get to where you guys are? Like, I'm married, I'm I'm doing this, I'm trying to I'm trying to get better. Like, how do I get where y'all are at?" And the older couple mentioned, "Sometimes be together, but we're so content with each other that we don't have to have this giant conversation every time." He said, "I just want to be with her," and then she said, "I just want to be with him." So are they having this giant riveting conversation all the time? Not necessarily, but sometimes it's just, I just want to sit here with you. I just want to be grateful. And Kobe caught him in that moment, whether that was five minutes, whether that was three minutes, they were in that moment. He said, sometimes instead of having that conversation, you just need to sit together and just be grateful. And sometimes it's important with God, sit with him, be grateful, and the spirit, let him intercede. Keep silent. Be still. Let the Spirit intercede for you because he can say what you want to say more than you want to say it. Sometimes we just got to sit alone, keep silence, and just be still. Verse 29, the imagery keeps coming as we're pulling this out. He puts his mouth in the dust. If so, there might be hope. He gives his cheek to them that smites him, and he is full of reproach. So again, the same concept here. So he's learning to wait with the weight. Sometimes that's what you have to do, whether the weight's self-inflicted or whether the weight is God is allowing it to happen, a la the book of Job, a la Joseph. We can keep going. Sometimes we just, and before we can take off the weight, sometimes we have to wait with it, okay? So then number three, here's what I'm seeing. So you got to remember the bad times. Therefore, you have hope. You have to wait with the wait. I recall this to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Then number three, 
as I'm seeing this and pulling this out with you as we're conversating, then you have to remind yourself of the Redeemer. You got to remind yourself. Now, as you're doing this, it almost it can almost look bleak. It's like, well, why am I trying to have hope in remembering these things? Why am I trying to have hope sitting in silence? Like, I'm not trying to do that. This Again, the Bible works in processes. So that's process one. Process two, waiting with the wait. Now what do we do? Now do we just sit here and just aimlessly just walk like nothing's going to happen? No, we have to remind ourselves that there's a Redeemer. Notice verse 55. I called on your name, O Lord, out of the low dungeon. So physically, Jeremiah was in jail. So he could say that physically, the low dungeon. But again, how did he describe verses 18 through 20? Misery, wormwood, gall, no strength, no hope. So what does that sound like on a spiritual level? I've been in a physical dungeon, and when I was in that physical dungeon, I was in a spiritual dungeon too. And in both of those dungeons, I called out to you. I'm reminded that there's a redeemer. Verse 56, you've heard my voice. Hide not your ear at my breathing, at my cry. You drew near in the day, and I called on you, and you said, Fear not. O Lord, thou hast pleaded the causes of my soul, and thou hast what to my life? Thou hast redeemed my life. What did we say in that quote as we intro this, guys? Hope never dies. As long as someone keeps their good eye on the bigger picture. So what did, what did Jeremiah, as a servant of God, what did he learn to do? Through my affliction, through my misery, whether it's self-inflicted, whether it's others, whether God is allowing it, it's humbled me. I didn't want it. I didn't ask for it. I personally wouldn't ask to go through it, but it, it, it's, it's here. It's happened. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. I sit in silence. I pray. I'm in this dungeon. But I remember that you can be the one to redeem me. You know, guys, here's the thing that's just so great. Keeping your eye on the bigger picture. Keeping your eye on the bigger picture means not necessarily trying to find ways to escape affliction. And I know that there's affliction that you've gone through, whether God's allowed it or it's personally inflicted, that you want to go away, right, for you and for other people that you know. Like, I don't want to see them go through that. Like, I don't want to see you to, I don't want to see you having to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to see my friends do, I don't want to see that. And then as good people, naturally, what do we try to do? Man, let me try to remove this. Let me try to help you make a decision. Let me try to help you figure out how to get this right. Let me try to help you figure out how to make moves. Let me talk to eight other people to see what they did. So let's get a consensus and then see what we need to do for you. Let's try to figure this out, right? Let's try to make something happen. Rather than maybe understanding that the affliction needs to be here for the bigger picture. So here's what's scary about this, guys. And, and this is why you need to come into serving people and helping people and helping friends and helping brethren with so much prayer because you don't want to get in the way. Because you don't want to remove something or try to make plans 
to remove something when God does not want that removed because that's not the bigger picture for them and that's not the bigger picture for you. And you can come in there with the purest of intentions to help people, but you just don't want to get in the way of what God wants. So here's the best thing that we can do. Well, one of the things that we can do from Scripture. Remember when Job's friends, when they saw all of that, before they started speaking, what did they do with him? They just sat and prayed with him. They just sat there seven days. Nobody said anything. Sometimes I think it's easy for us to try to, and again, with good intention, to try to help people figure things out in their lives. But I think sometimes the best thing we can do is not try to help them figure it out. But I think one of the best things that we can do is is be there with them when they're dealing with whatever they're dealing with. But then number two, I think if we are going to say something, remind them of who God is. Remind them that God can redeem them from their low dungeon. Now, how he's going to do it, who he's going to use, what's going to happen, whether that's chaos or good things, I'm not going to speak on that. But I do know that God can. Now, how he does it, you just need to trust him. And while we're waiting, we can wait together. So again, Jeremiah learned this process. And I hope that this is something that we want to learn. Therefore, all of this that we that we pulled out from the text today, from Lamentations 3, all of this stuff I've recalled to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. I think this is a different way. Not a different way. I don't want to say that. I think this is a biblical way and how we can start moving, moving forward. I think this is this is a way. I think this is a really good way. So again, there's so much guys that I missed from because this text and again, go back and just read all of Lamentations 3. I mean, we just looked at 18 through like 30 and then a little bit of 55 through uh 58, but again, read the whole text. I mean, there's so much there in Lamentations 3 and it's a beautiful text. It's a beautiful text, but I hope that was um, able to encourage you as it's encouraged me and it's it's helped me and then it's also helped me how I'm going to help other people moving forward too. So again, just find ways to uh, get closer to him and, and that's the beauty of studying. That's the beauty of of us conversating, of us going through this together. I mean, this is this is how we grow. This is how we anchor. This is how we get some roots and try to um, and try to get better and try to improve um, where we are. So um, really hope that that can help you guys. Appreciate you guys. Um, Lord willing, we'll be back with another podcast next week. Lord willing, um, you guys are the best. Love you guys. Thank you for your support, everything you've done for us. Like, share, and subscribe. And Lord willing, we will be back on Monday with another podcast. Thanks, guys.